All righty, please take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me see what Kathy has for us today. Philippians chapter 4. Notice, if you would please, verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd use your word today to comfort our hearts, to challenge us, to convict us. Heavenly Father, we're so, so blessed to be able to call you Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father, for... The opportunities we have as your children. And Father, I pray today that you would just uh, work in our midst. Help us, Father, to see how blessed we are. Help us to leave this place more thankful. Help us, Father, to leave with greater peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians 4, verse number 4, starts out with the exhortation to rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice always. Then in verse number six, be careful for nothing. The Greek word for rejoicing is the same word used for cheerfulness. And uh, rejoice, cheerfulness must be known by all men. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Your cheerfulness, your rejoicing. Let everybody know about that. Let your uh, moderation, your disposition of cheerfulness of rejoicing be known unto all men. So don't be a worrier, but be a rejoicer. Everyone say that with me, ready? Don't be a worrier, but be a rejoicer. How many like warriors? I'm giving you a couple minutes to think about it. No, I don't like worries. I don't like people that are always worrying around me, telling me about all their things that have gone wrong. And, and uh, I like people around me that are rejoicing, that are excited about life. I, I, I don't care that much about being around frowners. I like to be around smilers. Your cheerfulness needs to be known and seen by all men. You know, uh, it's like, how many like anxiety? Nobody likes anxiety. It's like uh, I was telling the girls, or maybe I was, Kathy and I were talking, I can't remember when we were talking about this, but I remember when I was about uh, Caitlin's age, I went uh, on vacation with my um, grandma and grandpa and my uncle and aunt, and my uncle and I got up early in the morning, Uncle Doyle, how many still remember Uncle Doyle, he's in heaven now, but Uncle Doyle and I went out, and I remember uh, it was such a hot day, We'd caught some fish, and I said to my Uncle Doyle, Hey, Uncle Doyle, would it be all right if I jumped in and swam in? Uh, and so I jumped in the water and started swimming back behind the boat. He's rowing. I'm swimming. And it looked like, you know, I was practicing for the Olympics or something. And uh, all of a sudden, I got in to land, and guess what, Abby? There were leeches all over my legs. How many of you ever had a leech? How many of you ever had a leech? 
Leeches are not good things to keep on, you know. But it's just like worry. Leeches and worry have a lot in common. They just want to grab a hold of you. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Jenny? They want to grab a hold of you and suck your life blood out. And I remember my Uncle Doyle saying, oh, this is no problem at all. Back in those days, he was a smoker. Uh, and I'm not talking about the kind of smoking that Nelson does with, uh, with ribs, but he was a smoker. And I remember he said, that's no problem. And he left a cigarette and he started putting those, uh, you know, that cigarette head on, on you know, get it nice and red, and then put it on that leech, and that leech would release right away. Well, this is, I can't say this is a cigarette, but this is something that will take care of your worry. This is like a hot needle. This will take care of your worry. If you pay attention to the word of God today, you ought to be able to be a rejoicer, not a worrier. And it's so good to know that people, you know, the testimony of Paul tells us that people need to see in us is a testimony of rejoicing. Ladies, up in the first uh, three verses, quit arguing, quit messing around, get right, do right, and start rejoicing. Your cheerfulness needs to be seen by all. Uh, those things that uh, are clinging to you right now, I mean, let the hot uh, point of the word of God get those released. Release those today and leave this place today uh, not looking at the problems of life, but looking at the promises of life. I'm not some positive uh, motivational speaker here. This is the word of God, amen? This is the Bible. And the Bible is giving us truth that can help us in our lives no matter how difficult those times are, no matter how dark the clouds may be over your head, no matter what you're going through right now, friend, listen, I'm telling you, God's word can help you. You go back to that back pew back there. You ask Todd Hutter, he'll tell you God's word sustaining him during this time. It's a wonderful thing to recognize that we have a God in heaven who knows exactly what we need. And if you apply his word to your heart, the prescription will be a prescription that will give you good spiritual health, good emotional health, and will help you even physically. Notice, first of all, look at the problem. Be careful for nothing. That phrase, don't worry, don't fret, don't live in anxiety. Do not worry. Almost everybody worries. The poor worry, uh, the middle class worry. The rich worry, the elite worry, the young worry, the old worry, 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 worry. Anxiety grips uh, our day. And we're living in a day where a lot of people are nervous and are worrisome. I was talking to Pastor Dan. We were talking about a couple of different people we have talked to recently and uh, how they won't even watch the news anymore because when they turn the news on, they watch that and, and, and they become anxious and anxiety overcomes them. Told you about a man last week. He said, I can't stand anymore. I hate everything. And th that's a sad, sad commentary. We ought to recognize that everybody worry, worries, but you don't have to allow worry to be a program in your life. You can start fretting for a second, then catch yourself and say, no way, I'm not going to allow this to take part in my life. Uh, did you realize worry changes nothing? Huh? Uh, except the fact uh, that worry will cause you some problems physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, worry doesn't lift the problem. It doesn't meet a need. It doesn't uh, answer the question. It doesn't make you healthier or richer. It doesn't make you smarter or wiser. Uh, it doesn't make you healthier 
Worry is thinking turned toxic and uh, toxic, and the imagination uses it to see the worst. It is so important that we recognize that the word worry comes from the Greek word or comes from the root meaning to choke or to strangle. To choke or to strangle. Worry does choke, does strangle. The capacity to think clearly, the opportunity to live and breathe with energy. Worry will do all it can do to make you feel miserable. A few, a few years ago, I read an article. I think I got the article here. I thought I put it in this message. Uh, let me see. Maybe I don't. Clint, did you get that article out of here? Every once in a while, Clint goes through my messages before I preach him. Anyway, the article was an article, it was a research uh, done by the University of Florida. And the University of Florida, the research proved that anxiety was worse than the pain. Huh? Anxiety, how many believe that? Anxiety is worse than the pain. And then it went on and gave a couple of illustrations. The reason my, uh, I, the article got my attention because it was talking about going to the dentist. The phenomenon helps explain why people dread to go to the dentist. Think about it. And he went through, and it was such a well-written article. He started talking about the dentist chair, the drill whines. Your mouth is locked into position. The lights glare in your eyes. Uh, you can't move. The sound of the drill, the little pieces of the decayed tooth, or the little pieces of the uh, the filling that they say now is too old to stay in your head for another five years until you die. Uh, it's uh... And then you're looking up at that light that glares in your eyes and, and you're thinking, uh, uh, I wonder if he's going to go too deep. I wonder if this is going to be another one of those root canals later. I wonder how much is this going to cost. Why is there such a worried look on his face? I'm going to die. The dentist is frowning. You're frowning. You're trying to frown, but you can't move because they got that clamp in your mouth. And then it's all done. It wasn't that bad until you see the bill, right? But a couple weeks passed by. After a couple weeks passed by, Derek, you're telling the story over again. And while you're telling the story over again, you can literally, this, this, this uh, research said, you can literally have more pain than you had when you were in the chair. So the moral of the story is don't say anything about the dentist ever again. That's what I'm going to. Our minds play tricks on us and our, our, our body feels the pain and the anxiety. The stress controls us. It, it, it's, it's legitimate. To, uh, it's a necessary procedure for dentists and doctors to make sure it's as, it's as painless as possible. The environment is the best possible. So, so what does this mean? All of us should pay more attention to living without anxiety. Because it's, there's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about worrying. 
There's nothing good that can happen from it. As we look at the problem of worry and anxiety, the first thing we see is that when we worry, we are not trusting God. Did you see that? We're not trusting God's word. How many believe the Bible is true? Amen? Amen. The Bible is true. So believe the Bible. Believe God's word. Believe God. This is God's word for us. Uh, we don't like to think about it, but when we're, when we're worrying, we're not trusting God, and that's the bottom line. Look at it again. Be careful for nothing, verse number 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You're not trusting God. Verses 6 through 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let's go to that verse number 19. Look at it. But my God shall supply all your need. My God. Who's supplying your need? My God. Glory by Christ Jesus. Look at the word supply. And my God will literally fill to the fullest supply. This is curbside service for COVID-19. God will supply your need, friend. He will supply your need. Just open your heart. Just open your mind to the word of God. Not to the, uh, to the media, not to what's going on, not to the circumstances, not to what people have told you, but to God. Does that make sense to you? If it does, say amen. It makes all kinds of sense. All means all. Every need. Do you have physical needs? Take it to God. Do you have spiritual needs? Take it to God. Do you have emotional needs? Take it to God. Do you have financial needs? Take it to God. You can trust God. That's the bottom line. You can trust God because he said he will supply your needs. When you worry, you're distrusting God. When you worry, you're doubting God. What do you mean you're doubting God? Yeah, you're doubting his ability to meet your need. And God said he would meet your need. How many trust God for your salvation? Huh? Wait, you trust God for eternal life. How many have ever been to heaven? How many ever seen a mansion in heaven? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions that were not so. I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Huh? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You've not been to heaven. You've not seen any mansions of heaven. But how many believe they're going to heaven and they've got a mansion in heaven? How many? Yeah. Why? Because it's God's word. You believe and you trust in God's word. If you'll believe God and trust God, Roberto, for that, how about this thing called worry? You think God could do that for you? He said he would. Believe it, friend. Don't doubt God. Agnostics doubt God. You don't become a Gnostic, do you? You want to become a Gnostic, not believe God, not trust God? No way. No, you are a blood-bought Christian, and you're blessed, and you are now so fortunate to have a God who said, hey, listen, 
not only heaven will I give you, not only eternal life will I give you, but I will give you peace and rest, right? That's what it says, peace, that people will be able to figure out where'd they get that at? What kind, of, what kind of life are they living? Look at them. They're living a life that's rejoicing and they're at peace with God and peace with others. Why? Why do we trust God? Just like we trust him for salvation. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We trust in that verse. Let's trust in this verse. Let's recognize what we have. Let's trust him when he tells us in verse number six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. When you worry, you distrust God. When you worry, you doubt God. When you worry, you disobey God. Yeah? The Bible very, very clearly says, be careful for nothing. Instead of following the word of God, we follow our emotions. Instead of following the word of God, we follow um, our checkbooks. Instead of following the word of God, we follow some blog. What a sad, sad commentary. People look at what we have as blood-bought, saved individuals, as Christians. We have a heavenly father who's going to take care of us. You know, the other day I had the, my two good workers over. I had Caitlin and Autumn. Caitlin and Autumn, please stand. There they are. They're, they're laborers. They're good construction workers. Look at them. There they are right there. Reminded me of when their mother and aunt, when they were workers for me. I said, we just got a five-minute job. What would that mean, Trina? Anywhere, anywhere from one hour to five hours. But I thought in my mind we could get this done in such a hurry. Well, we're doing some new steps uh, for my deck. We put that deck, decking material that you put over top of your old deck. It's got a 10-year warranty. Like the man said, well, we've got this. It's got a 10-year warranty, but this other stuff has a 25-year warranty. I said, look at this. Does this look like it needs a 25-year warranty? <laughs> the 10-year will be fine. And so then we... Uh, Daniel and Trina came over, and boy, I tell you, with a little bit of work with, uh, from me, they put down that deck, and it looks great. And then uh, the steps, I've been going to do that, but just waiting uh, to get a time when I've got the girls helping me. And so um, they came over the other day, and they helped me put those steps up. Those steps look good. They look real good. We have spaced it, and we glued it, and we screwed it, and we pounded on it, didn't we, huh? We had a good time. I said, all right, girls. Do you want cash or do you want a present from Barnes and Nobles? They said, Grandpa, we'll take a present from Barnes and Nobles. I thought to myself, you know what? These girls are a lot smarter than I thought they were. Because <laughs> I was going to give them $1.75, and there's nothing for $1.75 at Barnes and Nobles. But I went to Barnes and Nobles. And they went to, but we had a good time at Barnes and Nobles. I did what I normally do. Uh, I went up to the table and sat there and, and grabbed one book. And used to be able to grab magazines and sit in nice chairs, but now COVID, you can't do that. And uh, I, I would sit on the floor, but it take me too long to get back up. So anyway, uh, I said, go find something, girls. And they brought back these little things. Some of them were on sale. Some of them weren't on sale. What if I said to them, no way. 
I'm not buying you a present. No way. No, but they know. They know. And that Autumn, she is such a character. That girl, she takes after her grandmother. But anyway, maybe both grandmothers. But anyway, with the hair, the one grandma, and with her spending power, the other grandma. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying they brought it to me, I bought it, and they took it home. Why? They had such confidence when they brought it to me. Why? Because Grandpa said it. Hey, listen, you know, God is much more credible than Grandpa. And God has given us a great opportunity to trust in him. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking here in Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at it. Sometimes it's good to review what Jesus has said. In Matthew chapter 6, notice verse number 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's all read verse 34 together. Ready? You got your Bibles open there? Let's read it together. Read it out loud. Let's read it together. Ready? Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But instead of believing God, we allow the what ifs, the fear of the unknown, frantic nerves of emotion, or the frail words of man to send us into panic, negative, discouraging mode, failing to recognize Wait a second, we've heard this a little bit uh, uh, from time to time. We, we've heard it more than a little bit since COVID-19. God is in control. Failing to recognize that is hmm, disobedience. Wait, wait, think about it. Think about, think about Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, and he said, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Tom. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. May rest upon me. And might I add, Paul knew how to have the peace of God, and he rested in God's Control. Our Lord will give us today's grace for, to, uh, for today's grief. Our Lord will give us today's grace for today's anxiety. Matthew 6 pretty well covers everything. Philippians chapter 4 verse number 6 says, Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever, excuse me, verse number six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto it everything. Let me stop here. 
fear and worry are, are, are different. Uh, it's good to fear. It's good to fear some things. But it's not good to let fear cause you to worry. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying, Parker? It's good to fear trees when you're riding your bike. It's good to fear trees. Okay, but don't worry about trees. Just make sure you keep your eyes on the path in front of you. Right, right. Would you agree with that? Okay, I thought so. Okay, now, fear. Fear is different than worry. Uh, remember a few years back, everybody used to have those big trucks with those great big tires. Fear not. Yeah, fear not. Yeah. I would only fear when I was going to the gas pump. That's when I would fear how much money it costs you to drive with those big tires around there. Fear is not bad. It's not wrong to fear. But it's wrong to allow fear to cause us anxiety. You got it? Okay. First Samuel 21, uh, verse number 10. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, uh, the king of Gath. So the Bible said that David feared. But it doesn't say he was worried. Uh, and, of course, we know that David had killed a bear, killed a lion, and he looks down in the valley, and he sees Goliath down there, and there was probably some fear in his heart, but he wasn't worried about it, was he? No, he went down there and he slew Goliath. Why? Because he knew God would take care of him. God was in control. But it doesn't say he worried. No. It doesn't say he was anxiety. No. It says that he had some fear. So fear and anxiety are different. We can't let anxiety or we can't let a fear cause us to be put into this mode of anxiety. Back in November of 1984, a young couple who weren't supposed to have children were blessed with a third child. Uh, the most beautiful baby ever born. But there was something that the nurses and the doctors sensed was wrong with him. As they could see, his muscle tone wasn't right. The old doctor ordered some tests for the child. And um, sure enough, the test came back. The child was Down syndrome. He actually told the young couple that it might be in the best interest for them to institutionalize the child since the mother had her hands full with a set of twins. Of course, many of you already guessed that was myself and my wife, my wonderful wife, Kathy. We, uh, in that first 24 hours, after those tests came back, will tell you that it was very, very hard. You've gone through hard times like that, Donnie. You know what I'm talking about. Hard. It was hard to stay focused on anything because of what the doctors had said and the what ifs. There was fear going through our minds. Great disappointment. I had a son. My son had a problem. Big problem. When I thought I had peace in one area, another area of concern or fear would surface. 
and the future, fear of the future, caused me to be anxious. But the problem was not the unknown future, the circumstances, but the problem was in me. I needed to trust God. I needed to quit worrying and just say, God, this is what you've given me. And I'm going to rejoice. Something I realized wasn't Fear of the future, the unknown. It was me. I had not trusted God and was not trusting God. There'll always be problems, always be the unknown that will cause us fear and worry. But I allowed fear to capture my joy. And I don't like it. Because I knew that's not how God intends me to live my life. It wouldn't help me. It wouldn't help my sweet wife. It wouldn't help my sweet little baby daughters. And it certainly wouldn't help my only son. So I said, dear God, forgive me. Forgive me. He did. And he filled my heart with great joy. I don't think there's a threesome that has any more fun than Kathy, Clint, and Doug. We have a great time. Matter of fact, we were thinking about taking a little one-day trip down to Shipshawana for our honeymoon. And Clint said, when are we going? <laughs> Friend, we can make excuses. Or we can just exercise faith and say, God, help me. Second, we see the prescription, verses 6 through 8, prayer and supplication, earnestly asking in everything, prayer asking God, asking God to give us this peace that passes all understanding, Sir Walter Raleigh. Did you know Sir Walter Raleigh lost his head? You knew that, right? He lost his head. Uh, and not to Elizabeth I, because Elizabeth I was the one that you know, supplied all his needs for all his trips and everything. He lost it with the incoming uh, king from Scotland. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Trina, matter of fact, let do a little history on that. I just read a little piece of it, and I'd like to know the whole story, but I don't want to read it all. Uh, Sir Walter, <laughs> Sir Walter Raleigh asked the favor of the Queen Elizabeth I. Queen, 
I need this, he said, and I don't know what it was. She answered by saying, when will you stop begging? And he said, when your majesty stops giving. Huh? In everything, in prayer and supplication. Hebrews 4.16, let, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and, and help in the time of need. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our Lord will give today's grace for today's needs. Kate was asking me the other day, where did you go to school, Grandpa? I wonder if she was ever thought I did go to school. Where did you go to school? I said, yes, I, I, elementary school. went to Myers Elementary School. Right, Gene? That's where we went. You went to Myers Elementary. We Myers Elementary School. And then in high school, our junior high, junior high, Grand Blank, junior high, and then senior high, and then we moved to Fenton. And I graduated from Fenton High. And she said, uh, uh, listen, uh, in, in, in school, uh, how is it different than it was now? And so I started explaining a few things. But I remember after that conversation, I was going to tell her, uh, we were talking, remember when we were talking about that? I was going to tell you how we used to have a, a, our lunches, type A lunches. How many remember type A lunches? Remember those? And we could buy milk for two cents. Huh? How many remember that? Okay, milk for two cents and, uh, and chocolate milk for three cents. And so I remember, man, I would save my pennies as I would get extra milk. I was a milk drinker back in those days. And uh, I would pay my two cents and get my white milk. I mean, I'd go up there, get my white milk for my lunch. And if you got the type A lunch every once in a while, they had a good type A lunch. And mom didn't feel like making lunch that day, so we'd get a type A lunch and we'd get our two cents. You know, every time I gave them that two cents, they gave me back milk. Every time, the Bible's giving me this idea. Every time I go to God in prayer, that my God will give it back to me. My God is a God. He's, he's more trustworthy than those, those uh, cafeteria workers. The Bible tells us, this is what the Bible tells us, friend. Listen to it. Look at it. When God introduced himself to Abraham as the almighty God in Genesis 17 and verse number 1. What did he mean? El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And what does that mean? God is enough. God is, that's all we need. He is enough. He's, uh, he, he's rich enough. He's powerful enough. He is enough. Our God is enough. In anything and everything, our God is enough. Quit worrying. Be a rejoicer, not a warrior. We're living in a day where we have way too many Christians walking around like they're ready to vacuum the floor up with their bottom lip. Listen, this is the time to recognize we have a God in heaven who's on the throne and he's in control. My God shall supply all your needs with prayer. And then he adds with thanksgiving. Uh, make sure you keep that thankful heart, friend. As you're praying, make sure you don't leave out thanksgiving. Make sure you're thankful for the salvation that you have. 
Make sure that you're thankful for what God has done for you in the past and you've not forgotten what God can do for you because you look back on the past and you see what God has done for you. He saved you from your sin. He's given you great security. He's satisfied your every needs. He is a God who gives you safety. He's a God that gives you security. Gratitude, your thankfulness is not just gratitude for what you have, but who you are. You're a child of God. A child of God. You're in Christ. And that position has given you a great opportunity to let others see that he is in you and that you have a moderation or a disposition that's rejoicing, not worrying. Thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 16, 3. Pause for a moment. Pause. Don't pray out of panic, but pray out of the confidence you have that God will answer your prayer. Go to God through Jesus Christ. The one who has given you salvation will give you peace. Look at that peace as we close. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is what God does for us. The peace cannot be understood with human reasoning. It passes all understanding. It surpasses all that you can conjure up in your mind. How can this be happening when you're going through this? Remember, Paul was in Nero's prison. He's writing to the Christians at the church of Philippi. Peace. Yeah, peace. Peace always follows prayer and thanksgiving. The peace of God. But more than that, it protects our minds in our hearts. Do you see our hearts and minds? He emphasizes those areas of our life. The word keep means to guard. It's a military expression. It's a picture of a garrison or a fort, a stronghold. Yeah, it's a picture of how God can keep us. In our case, not looking for a general, but we've got the very Son of God who's in control of keeping. There's so much more, but let me just ask you, are you a rejoicer or a worrier? <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you. Do people look at you and say, how in the world can they be so up today? in this downtrend world we're living in. Are you praising in his peace? Are you resting in his peace? Or are you wrestling with the problems of life?